When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Monday afternoon as we kick off the PM here on Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company for the call. 10 stocks that you suggest we take a look at. I throw in a stock of the day. We put them to our expert panel and the A-team is back. Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor is here. Gaurav, how are you, sir? Welcome. Good to be Good here. Good weekend. Thanks, and uh, his old sparring partner, <laughs> Maitha Somersandaran from Deep Data Analytics. Emphasis on old. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love it today because we've got a whole bunch of mm. stocks, but we've questions from you specifically targeted at these two. Some of them nice, some of them not so nice comments, but uh, we take on all comers here. So uh, it's fabulous to have the two guys here. We always run out of time. So we're going to get stuck straight into it. Uh, In the first half of the show, uh, Renascore Resources, uh, Sira Resources, Ordinate, uh, Range and Magellan. And with a lot of these stocks, we've got multiple uh, viewers asking questions about them. So uh, and in the second half of the show, uh, we're going to be focusing a bit on data centers as well. Well, let's get uh, into stock of the day and a favorite here on the, on the call. Thought we'd take a look at retailer JB Hi-Fi. Uh, cutting its interim dividend this morning, saying it's not appropriate to provide earnings guidance either as the pandemic continues to impact the sector. Half your net profit and revenue also take a hit, but investors don't seem that phased. Share price up. Uh, was 7% at one stage, now up 4.5%. So what did the guys think of it? Nathan, JB Hi-Fi, the update? Oh, look, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great business, right? There's no yep. doubt about it. If you're going to pick a retailer in Australia, yeah, they're probably one of the better ones, um, if not one of the top three. Yep. Um, they execute well. They shove you more crap in per square <laughs> meter than anyone else. Yeah. Never take your kid. Anyone there. else in the world? Yeah, basically oh, look, sales yeah. per square meter. I, I, I it might I be. Know. I think Chemist Warehouse probably. Oh, sh- oh. Yeah, yeah. probably. I think Shop is up there as well. Uh, is it as well? Yeah, oh, okay. uh, I think more. They, they've now more online, yeah, but, you're, you're but right, they might yeah. be Chemist Warehouse. I feel like <laughs> I'm just basically things are going to fall yeah, on me. Yeah, you're, you're it's that, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but Jamie, I thought, look, it's a great business model. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a big fan of them buying into uh, good guys. Mm. Um, but look, the cycle has worked. I don't know if that'll play out in the long term, but look, they execute really well. Yeah. Um, so there's no doubts about that. You can look at the shorts. Um, the shorts have come back and it's starting to bottom out and the shorts are starting to pick up. That just tells you where the market sentiment is. I think discretionary retail is a tough place at the moment, yeah. right? Uh, for me, the staples are a much better play. So you've got your supermarkets, they can pass on the margin much easier. Right. I think the supply side issues, uh, wages, all of that plays into it, and people are choosing where to spend, and I think that's where discretionary struggles. I think it makes sense for them to uh, play a bit more defensive on their guidance and so forth, 
So it doesn't shock me. I mean, if you looked at the chart over the while, the last 12 months, it's pretty much going sideways. Yep. Um, so you kind of know where it is. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked by it. The question is, yes, backward looking data, property prices, yep. massive spending, everything worked out for them. Going forward, I don't think it'll stack up. Right. So this is where the trick is. This is a cyclical stock. You buy it when things are going badly, you sell it when things are going good. The last couple of years is as good as you're gonna get in yep. spending. So yep. I'm not a buyer here, but I, I think it's a great stock. It's one, yep. you know, pardon the pun, you wanna have on your shopping list. Yeah. Uh, and when, when things go bad, when unemployment is going up, everyone's going, ah, oh, end of the world, you buy this guy. Right, okay. Go yeah, retail is a hard space at the moment. It is hard, isn't it? And it's hard because you've had this huge injection of income um, and people have pulled forward a lot of purchases. But at the same time, we've got really high quality retailers on the ASX, none better than JB Hi-Fi. And the valuations aren't demanding either. So there's all these attractive, unattractive forces colliding together. And with all that noise, you have to make a decision. Now, I would actually be selling JB Hi-Fi up here no comment on the quality of the business it's wonderful of course yeah. but I, I do worry that that um consumers have over purchased <laughs> they've they pulled forward demand um the, the what they're doing with the dividend i think sends a signal about where they see um, profits going in the future and i think the market the, the multiple is quite low so i think the market mm. is expecting a pullback in sales um to some extent but I think sometimes with these retailers, the cycle surprises you on the way up and it shocks you on the way down. Right. And I think we might see that happening here. There are other retailers, I think, that are still, I've got my eye on uh, with a little bit more keenness than JB Hi-Fi. Um, I own Levisa at the moment, and I maintain that that's probably the best quality retailer in Australia. Um, there's a couple of others I think look kind of interesting, but as a whole, I think this is an area of the market you want to exercise some caution on and, right. and not just see low, um, PEs and rush into them because I think that's probably a warning sign yeah. um, at the moment. And particularly for JB Hi-Fi because it's, <coughs> it's been lauded for a long time, has it? So a lot of people would be thinking, well, if there's a bit of a pullback or whatever, let's get into this as one of these stocks that is a fundamental part of your portfolio. But it, yep. it's cyclical. It's yeah. made them when the cyclicals yeah. look cheap, yeah, that's true. That's a bad sign. Them. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, it, it's it's always a, a better sign yeah. when it looks expensive. That means mm. expectations are very low. Yep. Right? When these things look cheap, whether it's mining stocks, whether it's retail, any kind of cyclical looks cheap, check yourself because you're thinking it the wrong way. So right. it's got to look expensive. That means people don't like it. Yep. If it looks cheap, that means everyone knows it's good. You're not buying a new store. I think it's the kind of thing where you want to use your um, strategically use your um, portfolio allocation. Mm. Uh, it's such a high quality business, and it's so rare to find managers with with this much um, talent. But you don't really want to. I wouldn't be selling everything and, and hold a zero position. But now is it probably the time to scale down your holding, right. and there'll be an opportunity to scale back up at a later stage. Okay. All right. Let's get into the stocks that you want us to have a look at and. First two stocks are basically in the, the same industry, mm. uh, in the graphite industry. Uh, Renaskal Resources and Syrah Resources. Um, Patrick wants a view on, is it Renaskal? Uh, how you pronounce it, Resources. Long-term holder. In fact, held them since two cents. Would love to hear Gaurav's opinion on their proposed graphite mine. Recently got $185 million funding from the federal government's $2 billion critical minerals facility. They've got tenements in South Australia, don't they? So on site. 
Yeah, forget about my opinion. I want to hear He's the viewer's opinion. opinion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he brought in the two cents, so he saw something. Look, um, we're doing Renaissance and, and Sierra together for good yeah. reasons. It's because they're both graphite stocks, and I think graphite has participated to an extent in this great EV boom. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually going to start calling this an, an EV bubble. I think there's an, there's an ESG um, ethical bubble going on at the moment. Yep. Um, and the actually, the, the opposite of that is I think there's a sin stock sale going on. We'll talk about that later, I suppose. But, but, um, but there's an ESG, in my view, an ESG um, bubble going on. And I think graphite is now just about to get picked up into that bubble. So this is probably a bit of a narrative stock. And I, and I don't think people or the market generally understands graphite very well because graphite used to be mined and used for a very generic process and it's now being mined and used for a very specific process and the economics of those processes has changed yeah. a little bit. So the, the new investment case for graphite is, is it's used as an anode for um, batteries. The anode is, of course, you have a cathode and anode and the transfer of, of materials between the two creates the energy. So it's a, it's a really important part of the battery manufacturing process. And the exciting thing about graphite is that um, the larger the battery gets, it's a, a, the amount of graphite you use is, is non-linear. So it, it's an exponential increase in the amount of oh. graphite you need. So in a yeah. small battery, you probably need a couple of grams of graphite. In a sort of a Tesla battery, probably looking at 30 kilos of graphite, a huge amount. 30 kilos? Yeah, like it's a big amount of, of graphite. So it's, it's, a, it's a really exciting, I, I, can, I, I think quite rightly, graphite has attracted a lot of attention. I think there's a really good demand story to tell here. And um, you, you, one should expect the graphite price to increase uh, or graphite demand rather to increase and increase, mm. but um, I don't. That's a separate question about price, and, and everyone's expecting the graphite price to go up. Really depends on on the demand uh, supply response. And graphite is not like other commodities. I would say it's probably not even a commodity. It's it's when you're using it for anodes, it's a it's a very bespoke product that you have to tailor to your offtake partner. It's not like copper or gold where you just sell a concentrate or a dore and you and you shove it off into a global market. It's a very bespoke product. And so the actual mining of, of graphite is less important than the processing of graphite. That's where the right. value add is made. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a, a miner only and you're selling a concentrate, I think that's a pretty low value activity. It's gonna be hard to get good returns on capital doing that. What you need to do is fork up the capital to then turn that concentrate into graphite spheres. Mm -hmm. And then yep. if you wanted to, you could even then turn those spheres into the anode. And that's where that seems to be the part of the value chain where most of the margin is made. There's a very sophisticated and profitable manufacturing sector in China and in Asia that does all that processing. And so the difficulty these miners have is not finding graphite resources. Graphite is a really um, easy to discover mineral because it's, it's, um, it's highly reflective in, in electromagnetic surveys. It conducts electricity really well. So when you flare an EM, um, the graphite will show quite it's not hard to find, it's quite easy to find. Right. The tough thing is, and the other complexity about graphite is that it's not really about the, the grade or the tonnage. I know everyone talks about this, it's got this grade and that tonnage, it doesn't matter. What you need in graphite is your flake size. And the flake size has to be big enough to support um, a high grade sphere processing. And, and so, you know, I think it's really, the, the crux of all that is it's extremely difficult to identify a high quality graphite deposit because the quality is not obvious until you really get in there and start mining. Right. And then the profits you're going to make are not dependent on your mining operation. The profits are dependent on your processing operation. And, and again, that's why you know, Ciro, who's, who is miles ahead of Renascore, um, they trade at pretty low EVs, really, when you consider 
the potential market and the potential size of the profit pool. And that's because um, there's so much work to be done in processing, so much risk in processing. I think right. low market caps are appropriate. Now I can see why you're attracted to Renascore. It's got a really good mineable pit, you know, shallow. Yeah. It looks good, um, but you know, there's no detail about their benefication or their um, benefications when you when you process and add value. There's no there's no details about the value add of the processing. And the stage one mining has an MPV about 700 million. The market cap is about 600 million. I think this is a the, the valuation has already factored all the stage one upside. And to get an increase from here, you either need hysteria or you need uh, to uh, you need to um, accept that the a very high probability that the processing works. Right. And I think both of those are bad bets to take. Right. So I would probably be selling into Renaschool. Look, I think if if you want to play the meme game and you want to try and and work on the narrative, there's a very nice narrative here. Um, the deposit is good. They they might may, may do very well. But I think a lot of that is factored into the price at this stage, and, okay. and I'd probably be looking elsewhere. As I said, I'm concerned about this area. I think it's it's too right, much. So higher. let's climb Renaschool and Sierra. Would you yeah. get into Sierra? Sierra, for mine, Sierra is actually more interesting. I think Sierra is it holds more geological risk because the product, the the um, the mine is in, in Africa where in there's Mozambique. all yeah. sorts of problems, but they are a lot further ahead in the processing. So, mm. look, if you wanted to play this, I I, I think Sierra is probably more attractive. Um, okay. Probably riskier. You're taking so much risk anyway. Yep. Take a little bit more and, and probably go with Sierra. But, but look, this, this is an interesting part, but just don't get, get sucked in too much. It's a lot right. more complicated than it appears. Sierra's got this deal with Tesla, apparently, yeah. although Tesla yeah, that, deals that, with a lot of things. But we don't know the price. We don't know yeah. the terms. Yeah. I can't imagine Tesla's paying um, a, a great price for, for their right. graphite. Okay, yeah. so uh, sell Renaschool, and if you want to punt. If you want to punt, punt. yeah. Yep. Oh, look, I, I think Graph's covered it well. Um, we've been through this before. We know graphite. Mm -hmm. We've had this bubble before, you know, yeah. and, you know, Sierra Resources, I mean, they coined the term, right? Are you Sierra? Uh, we used to call that <laughs> the last time cycle. <laughs> it was the term, uh, you know, are you mm -hmm. serious? Um, and look, I think the, the best way I can say is look, look at the amount of shares in some of these things. Yeah. You've got to see the liquidity. So Renasco has got nearly 2 billion shares. Uh, and it doesn't trade as much. So you can ramp that stock up. And right. it's an explorer, and it's early stage. They're going into a cycle where they're building it. Execution problem. As we say, it's like a biotech going into a, um, a testing phase. You yep. take a huge risk there. Things always go wrong. And so for me, Renesco is a tricky one at the moment. Look, the investor has done phenomenally well, right? Yep. He knows something, or he got lucky. Either way, doesn't matter. He made the money. Yep. Now the trick is hold on to your money. <laughs> right? right it's about it's not about just making the money it's about protecting your money so it's gone from he's gone from two, two cents to 29 cents yes yeah. look good. your risk return here is execution risk yeah. comes to bite you and graphite is everywhere and groves right it's about getting it into the final product it's the value add right where Syrah looks a lot further down the track yes you have risk I mean everything in this area has got risk yeah. uh, so I think Syrah looks a better risk return for me um, so what I would suggest is um, he's done really well. Mm -hmm. uh, I would take money out of Renesco, probably take 70, 80% off. Mm. And then if you still wanted to punt, um, you know, you hold 20, 30% because you never know, yeah. right? I think that's a, that's a good idea. You pay yeah. 20, 30%. Out of the 70, 80%, if you still wanted to play, probably put 20 or 30% into Syrah and hold the rest in cash. Hold like yep. say 50% in cash, you've killed it. Yep. I mean, you've killed it. Don't get greedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you've done well. 
don't worry about and then, then don't tell me about tax right when you're right. investing <laughs> in this kind of stuff don't talk about tax we are not dealing in tax here yeah. now so mm. hold that money yeah. and we are you know we're yeah. in specky market so basically when, when again, there's yeah. an opportunity will come there's yeah. always another cycle with different sectors you can make money it is defense time you've got to play defense defense is your best offense you've done well protect your capital yeah. The other quick point to, to note is that there's no law that says you have to make the anode out of graphite. You know, if you flip it over yeah. and look what's happened to the cathode, the cathode chemistry has changed in recent years. They used to pile a lot of cobalt into the cathode. And as cobalt prices increased, they actually substituted cobalt with nickel. And so there's less cobalt in that cathode now. And I'm concerned that if that graphite price moves too much, there, are, there is talk, you can actually use lithium in the um, anode as well. So you could, you, there's a substitution that could very easily happen. So it is, it's attractive, but lots of things change and you just the, gotta be, yeah. be a bit The other powerful. thing to remember yeah. is you can always go back, right? Mm -hmm. You're in that tricky period where they're executing. If you love Uranus, keep 20%, see yep. what they do. Mm -hmm. If they execute, your 50% cash, go back to them. Yep. Yep. It's much, you know, de-risk. Yep. Right now you're just, they're playing too much. So good strategy. Well, manage risk. All right. Take profits on Renault Score. And if you want to stay in that high uh, high risk area, uh, switch to uh, to Syrah um, further down the track. Uh, David wants a view on Ordnate. David says Gorov's a long term advocate. So he, hopeful, he and Mather can set me straight. Analysts regularly point to the massive lead in um, Ordnate's Dante product. Um, yet the company only has sales of around 36 million and doesn't make a profit in an addressable market identified by Ordnate of a billion dollars. How can Ordnate be such a leader at only 4% of the assumed market? Does this mean over 90% of the market remains wedded to cables and wires uh, for AV equipment? I'm so confused. I, I love this question. This yep, is this is an this is an intelligent investor question. This is this is the approach we we try and take at II. Someone tells you a story, and your first response should not be, "Oh, that's interesting." Your first response should be bullshit. Challenge it. <laughs> yeah, yep. challenge it. That's yeah. right. And and I, I love that the viewer has done. So he's that basically yeah. saying, "Gora bullshit." Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Clear it up. And so <laughs> I, like him, I like him already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love the mindset. This is this is the the way to um, to investigate stocks. But um, to answer the question, there is actually an answer for this, and it, it lies in the revenue model of Ordinate itself. So what Ordinate? Okay, we've explained this lots of times. Yes. So Ordinate is a, is a chip. It's it's a it's a chip and software together. It makes a protocol. It allows wired audio systems to become wireless and digital, and you can manipulate the um, all the equipment individually. So it's it's extremely valuable. It, it solves a real problem and it's developing a monopoly in this area because every chip, every piece of equipment needs the same chip to talk to one another. Yeah. So um, why aren't they making much revenue? So the revenue model is uh, once, and say Yamaha agrees to use the uh, Dante protocol, they pay ordinate uh, an upfront fee. It's in the tens of thousands of dollars for every um, manufacturing line that they're gonna put the chip into. So they earn that upfront fee and that's what's counted as revenue. So that's a revenue line. But the cream of the, of the business, the real margin is gonna come in when you have product sales. Right. So um, the Yamaha and all the others are now developing the, the Dante chip into their new technology. And as that new technology is rolled out, every unit sale- They um, sort of get a royalty. They get a royalty, it's effectively a right. royalty. It's not classically a royalty, yeah. but it's effectively a royalty yeah. that goes to ordinate. And so that builds this really high margin, almost zero cost, 
uh, revenue stream, and that's where you're going to see your profit come through. So it's it's an astute observation. I think it's the right question to ask, yep. but it's just got to do with the quirk of yep. the revenue model, and I don't think there's anything to, to worry about. At this stage of the game, the important thing right. to see is just how many deals they're doing with manufacturers, they lead over the competition, um, and of course, um, the, the other stuff will come over time as right. the manufacturers incorporate um, Dante chips into their new new products and those new products start selling. Then you'll so, see more revenue So is it fair out. to say they've sort of built a SaaS model? Yeah, right. I was just thinking that as well. Where yeah. you know, <laughs> licensing it That's right. to the big manufacturers yeah, yeah. who have to actually develop the new products yeah shoot it out that's and right. then they get recurring revenue. That's right, I think that's a good way to think okay. about it. They are looking to change things. So very recently they've spoken about collecting a higher upfront fee and allowing the manufacturer to use um, their chips in any product instead of right. doing it per product. Right. And I think that will encourage an even greater volume of, of products down the line. So you mm. might see the revenue line move around a, lo a lot right. in the next couple of years. I don't think that's really gonna reflect the progress being okay. made by the business. Right. Oh, look, it's it's one of the, you know, preferred tech plays. It's yeah. a platform tech. That's how I look at these things. You, When you want to buy a tech, you want to look at a platform tech because a platform tech has a particular solution, has a particular strategy, and then it can grow by adding more and more products into it. So it has the capacity to grow on its platform. Yeah. So is a great stock, uh, but as with anything, you know, people got too carried away, paid too much, too quickly, and it's coming back. Um, I think it, it's got that growth to value rotation player in it at the moment, so mm, it'll probably true. go lower. Um, you, you know, we were looking at the underlying data on semiconductor sales. That started to roll over last year. That was telling you all techs were going to struggle, and that's playing out. Now, you know, the one I would say it's a bit like Altium and Ordinate, they're platform techs. Yep. You, you know that these are good. Everyone knows they're good. So everyone paid too much. Now it's coming off. Don't get um, excited. Wait for it to settle down. Once the market uh, dust settles and so it'll drop further than this, oh, I think it'll go lower. So um, yeah. we've been out of it um, and we're waiting for it. Um, look, I this is what you know. Again, it's a shopping list, right? Uh, I'm the counter to the market. When the market's selling, I'm looking at what to buy. Mm. And Ordinate and Altium are at the top of my tech list, yeah. right? right. Uh, but I agree right now, it's not the time to buy. Yeah, those two would be the ones on my tech list yeah. as well. So would you be buying yeah. around these look, 760 levels? I'm a I'm a long term. Um, holder, so I think you can start nib nibbling. Yes, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> anybody, yes. We can start nibbling now, but officially our, our price guide is under seven dollars. Yeah. But look, uh, with a business like this, a few cents here and there is not going to matter. So I would start nibbling now. But I do think you're right. I think there's a good chance that the price falls away a little bit more, and you can nibble more then. So I would just take it in tranches yeah. and, and buy. I, I think you've got time, um, but mm. I think this is you know one of the top businesses in the tech space. But I, I would be looking at this probably in March, and I think you'll get a better price. Okay. All right, uh, Nathan, uh, Alex wants to be on Range International. They're a manufacturer of um, plastic pellets, uh, pellets rather than the uh, chips, wooden ones. Uh, raised three and a half million bucks back in August. Alex says um, he has a slightly higher risk appetite. Um, and as recently, they've recently ramped up its manufacturing efforts, uh, had some substantial uh, announcement. I hold a small allocation in my portfolio. I back the strong management team and its ability to deliver cash flow positive results in the near future. I don't like to use the word punt, according to Alex, <laughs> when making investment decisions. Yeah, but I'd like right. to know what the experts think, mm -hmm. long-term potential. 
Yeah, it's, look, it's an interesting stock. Um, from memory, Brambles had a competitor come through. That's right. At one point. IGPS, yeah. IGPS, I think yeah. it was called. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was like, was that yeah. like a pandemic on Bramble share price at that time? Apparently, it's uh, I'm old enough that uh, a lot of people yeah. lost a lot of money, yeah. but then it kind of came off and then Brambles came back. So remember, this challenge has been played out. Um, and it's, a, it's one of those things, I think it's interesting. I think there is a play in it. Remember, it's 12 million market cap. Again, it's a micro cap, so you're playing the high risk. Liquidity is, it's not 900 million shares, so it's a billion shares. So liquidity is tough. Um, I think the burn rate is about just over a million a year a quarter. They've got about two and a half mil. Yeah. So there's a cap raising coming. There's a cap raising right. coming. So, you know, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wait for it, the cap raising to play out because they're going to pump and dump. Um, yeah. But it's an interesting one. Again, when the market throws the baby out with the bathwater, this is one to look at. Uh, but the thing is, they haven't really done anything to get me to say they are in a place going somewhere. So I'm waiting for that to play out. So it doesn't excite me. It's it's one I will put on the list to keep an eye on because yep. this thematic um, has been in the market before and the market has got really excited. So it's worth keeping an eye on. But at this point, they're not doing anything to excite mm-hmm. me. Okay. I'm really ruthless with my watch list. I want to keep my watch list really tight and only have the business that I really want to actually watch and buy. And for me, range is certainly not one of those. Right. Um, the the pallet business, you know, IGPS, I think it was the name of the competitor. When they tried to demolish Brambles, disrupt Brambles, they came in um, with an unlimited pool of funding. They had big yeah. PE backing. Yep. They had ex-Brambles management, the best management in the industry. They had the best technology. They had um, Kraft moved, moved, moved along and uh, supported them. They had the, the single biggest sure. client. They had everything lined up to try and tackle Brambles and they went bust. And I just think uh, the reason that, that Brambles is so dominant and that it works is not because their pallets are awesome. Their pallets are sh- uh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because, they're, um, it's because the revenue model is a leasing model. So they yeah. ship pallets around the world and they collect them and they recycle them. So um, uh, customers don't have to deal with their pallets. They, they use them once, they send them back. Um, it's, it's not the ownership of the pallet, it's not the pallet that generates the money, it's the network you make about shipping the pallets here, there, it's the logistics that make the money. And you're not going to break that with a $12 million business. And then yeah. the, other, the other thing <laughs> yeah. to yeah. quickly um, state is that we are in a cost pressure environment. Most people are not going to change an uh, infrastructure player like Brambles and yeah. try a new player yeah. when everyone's yeah, scared of cost. That's so a good point. Yeah. They're going to struggle mm. in the next six to 12 months to get traction. Okay. Gaurav is Magellan on your watch list. Uh, no, Lucas, <laughs> Lucas and Len yeah. both ask. Lucas is a bit cheeky. Says he's been beaten up enough for a, another catching the knife, or is that headed for a black swan with Hamish Douglas out for uh, who knows how long? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in your boat, Koshi. That, that's a bit cheeky, Lucas. <laughs> I, I know you want someone to ask about Magellan. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm sharing too much. I, I love it. Uh, and Len wants to know, mm. Mark Morland said it was a screaming buy at 26 bucks. Mm. Uh, it's now down 16 17 $18. Um, is it a screaming buy at these levels? Yeah, look, a, a lot has changed. So I, I um, have owned Magellan. Our funds have owned Magellan. Yeah. I've been really positive about Magellan. Yes. Um, I remember, we know. 
<laughs> yes, sorry, Koshi. <laughs> so um, years ago, when, when Hamish was starting his business up, he met up with a couple of II guys in Omaha and he outlined what he wanted to do. Yeah. He said, I'm going to start this funds management business. This was in 2008, 2009. Yeah. It's going to be, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to then move into this and this. It's going to be gold plated. We're going to do the best, the best yeah. stuff, hire the best people. And then over the next 10 years, he went off and did every single thing he yep. said he was going to do. Delivered. If, if Hamish Douglas was a retail entrepreneur or a tech entrepreneur, we'd be sitting around this table singing his glories. He'd be Sir Hamish and he'd be anointed it's by the It's a magnificent business model. It's a wonderful business model. As you said three weeks ago. Yes, um, <laughs> except that Hamish also annoyed a lot of people. Yes. And the, uh, um, he set up a rival to the other investment banks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's been, he's put himself out so there in front of the media. Stuff, I yeah. think, I think the, the, the onslaught on Magellan and Hamish Douglas is, is remarkable and says a lot about how business is done in this country. But, but put that aside for a moment. Um, so 12 months ago, if you ask me, name me a stock that you think is at risk of, of halving over the next 12 months. Right. Down at the very bottom of my list would be Magellan. Right. My investment case was that we have this, um, this stable funds management business that's, that's really, um, that succeeds not because it's the best performing one, but because yeah. it has the best brand marketing distribution. Someone who works in this industry, I can tell you performance does not matter as much. People say a fund live and dies by performance rubbish. No, they don't. They live and die by relationships, by the brand, by marketing. Right, brand. How much trouble can the gatekeeper get if he moves your funds around? Those are more important than performance. If you're every good, you've got no chance of beating the market over a long period of time if you're not willing mm -hmm. to... Um, and under, uh, underperform yeah. the market for a short period of time. Um, so you're going to have underperformance, and, and that doesn't worry me at all. But have you changed your mind? Have I changed my mind? Yeah, I think I have. So you've got the, the, the core funds business is now not as, you've got some serious outflows going there. And um, because you've had a foundation client leave, I think the pressure is now on every other gatekeeper to look at their mandate and justify mm. why they're still there. If that was all there was, I'd still say it's probably worth buying or holding. But on top of that, you've had the departure of the superstar. And these businesses lend themselves to individual rock stars. And when the rock star leaves, right. they're in a world of difficulty. It's going to be difficult for the ratings agencies to maintain their, their, um, their views on Magellan. I think there's a big bunch right. of downgrades coming. It's probably more bad news to come. But don't let this obscure. It, this remains a very. We're, we're not talking about losing money. We're not about talking about debt. We're just talking about okay, how so much for, less money they're going to make. Just asking for a friend. People yeah. have taken your advice in the last yeah. month or so yeah, and yeah. caught the falling knife. Yeah. You cut your losses and go. So for me, um, I have sold to go and buy some coal stocks. So I've got an, I, an alternate use of that funds. Right. If you, I'd rather hold, hold Magellan than hold cash. Right. Um, but if you have a better idea, then I think you can, you can that's, that's, okay. that's stock you can allocate to a better idea. I'm going to go with, look, I'll go with sell on this, but I think there is, remains a reasonable hold case. I certainly right. would not be buying it. I think there's too much, at, too much right. of risk at this point. It's, it's actually, it's funny thing is, it's, it's actually probably oh, riskier at this seven, point than it was at higher $74 prices. $74 down yeah. to 18. Remarkable, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with gloating. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot about that. Please, yes, bring it on. I'll start yeah, with yeah, gloating. Keep, keep um, it short. So <laughs> I'll keep I told, it quiet. I told both of you. Yeah. Uh, we, we put a sell on it uh, yeah. 
probably around June, July, the result yeah, in I know. 2000, uh, 2020, yeah. sorry. Nathan did um, actually sit me down and said, you know, this is, all yeah, this is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we so had a big it, talk about it. It's one of those it. ones where, um, when you do the factor of, well, the performance attribution, mm. a lot of that is what the market was doing rather than stock picking. Yeah. They've got, I mean, look, I think Hamish Douglas is great, right? But doesn't mean the market gets it right or doesn't mean the business gets it right all the time. Mm. Um, and it went into a downgrade cycle. There was a capacity restraint. They went into a downgrade cycle. They couldn't turn that around. So right now you are trying to bet against the trend. You yep. don't do that. Yep. Uh, you know, you don't do that. Uh, even if it's Pele, um, I'm still not doing that. <laughs> uh, so you stay out of it, wait for it to come through. If you held it, now you're having psychological problems, right? You've yep. got hammered. What do you do? Mm. Well, I actually think the model is good, mm. and I, I actually think Hamish Douglas is freaking awesome, mm. yeah. and I would back him to turn it around. So even though I've been negative for what nearly two years, mm. you've taken the hit. Yeah, you know, this is the classic example. Mm. Gurab is right; he's always been right. It's just that the market priced it too much, and they were in a downgrade yeah. cycle. That is not the time to buy it. But the thing is, what Gurab said in the, on the underlying model, I still think it works. But I think it's the same problem for the market at the moment. Everyone's lost money. Mm. Everyone's losing confidence. And in the, that's when, you know, this is what you call, as, uh, as the saying goes, there's blood on the floor. Mm. Yeah. Right? Everyone's like, oh, it was cheap at 25. It's at 20. Well, you've taken a hit from $60, $70 down yeah. to 20. Does it matter uh, yeah. the last $5? I don't think so. I think if you think the business is going to be around, you hold on. Right. So I wouldn't buy it today. But if you bought it and you've taken a bit but of a hit. Hold. It probably will go lower, right? Right. But you're not looking at it over the next three months. Look at it in six months, 12 months. I think it'll be higher. Right. So I think it's going to take longer I'm, than that. I'm actually, I think it'll turn around purely because right. everyone will look at, because it's an asset manager, mm. and I think in the next couple of months, reality will go through the markets, we'll get a reset, and then people will look for the winners, and this will be one of those ones where they'll go, look, you, you know, the bashing is through, they play defensive, they'll come through on the other side. But I agree in the context that if I've got fresh money, I'm not putting it into Magellan right now. Right. But if you've already been there, it's a psychological thing. I'd say, look, it's fine. It's not going to go broke. You can sit through it. It's probably go lower before it goes higher. Okay. All right. There you go. That was controversial, was it? Mm. Good, uh, <laughs> good question, Lucas and Len. Thanks for that. Uh, just recapping the first five stocks. Stock of the day, JB Hi-Fi. Uh, a note from Nathan, a sell from Gorav, as good as it, it gets at the moment. Uh, Renascore, you've had a great run up. Um, a sell from uh, Gorav. Uh, same from Nathan. He's saying, look, sell 70 to 80%. You've gone from two cents to 29 cents. Uh, if you want to stay in graphite, then switch it into Syrah. Um, if you want to stay in this sort of high risk graphite market, it's probably a better bet for you. Uh, ordinate, uh, start nibbling away. It will go lower. Um, intelligent investor is looking at a purchase price under seven dollars. That's fair right. value. That's right. It's a bit above seven dollars. Grape said you can afford to uh, nibble. Uh, Maitam will wait for it. Ordinate and Altium, are his two best tech stocks, waiting for a pullback where the market bottoms out. Uh, range a no from both and Magellan. A sell from Gorab, who would have thought? Uh, and a hold from Mathan, who would have thought? Yeah, right. So, I know. I know. <laughs> interesting. So uh, thank you to uh, uh, 
um, both of those viewers who uh, who sent in uh, Magellan. Uh, here at the call, we've been uh, following our own fantasy portfolio since we started the show, the 1st of July last year. Now let's check, see how we're going. Weekly, we're flat for the month down about 5% for the financial year to date, uh, down 3.5% uh, since inception in uh, July 2020, up 40%. And uh, we're about to, uh, to rejuvenate the Calls Fantasy portfolio um, because we're going to introduce or change it into a live high conviction fund with a smaller basket of stocks. We'll do the call as usual and our expert panels will say buy, hold or sell. But if there's a unanimous buy or a unanimous sell, those stocks go to our investment committee, which is going to meet every month. And we're going to film their discussion um, because it brings in the things like portfolio construction, weightings, all that sort of stuff. Uh, if the committee's in uh, deep discussion and wants to uh, question a chief executive, we'll bring them into the committee meeting and you'll be able to follow it. So uh, that will all start from the 1st of March. Really looking forward to that. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, uh, this half hour, we're going to take a look at Megaport, Mightycraft, Dubber, uh, Radio Farm, and also uh, Nathan's Ugly Duckling, who he thought would turn oh, into a swan. Let's see if it has. Can you... uh, QBE, yes. Uh, we we checked it wasn't Nathan. It wasn't. Who, Are you sure? Because Magellan and Kibbe in the can, same yeah, show. Can, can we get a couch? <laughs> yeah, so right. I'll need one. Let's move on to Megaport, uh, the big data centre uh, provider. Shabir and Steve mm. both want uh, a view on it. Um, Shabir says stop trading in its low twenties with the recent pullback. Uh, business continues to grow. Revenue, however, the company still making a loss. Most of the brokers are bullish. Is it a quality high-tech stock? And Steve says, um, what are the moats around data centres? Are they strong enough or will they become commodities racing to the lowest prices competition grows? Good question, right? So let's start with that one. Um, it is a good question and it's a complicated answer because there's not just one kind of data centre. Um, there are lots of different models of data centres and they each have varying degrees of strengths. Jeez, um, oh where do we even start with this? Okay, so, so let's look at NextDC for example, right? They run a, what I call a Westfield model. So their data centre is, is more of a networked data centre because they get big tenants in, then they get smaller, smaller clients in on the strength of those big tenants yep. and everyone is connected into everyone. And so they so end up, it's, it's impossible to get yeah. out. Yeah, Glo globally, these kind of data centers, the only people who come out are the companies that go bust. Right. Uh, so it's about a 2% churn rate mm. annually. So they're, okay. they're, they're just the companies that go, go under. So these networked, we call them um, uh, co-location data centers. Those sort of data centers are actually extremely sticky. I think they have really good economics um, they look bad as they're so being built. So that's quite a good moat. That's a, that's a wonderful moat. I think yeah. almost imbridgeable moat. Uh, 
Um, but then you've got these um, kind of wholesale data centers, and these are the things that are really, really big, and um, you just get uh, lots and lots of big clients in there, and they take racks and racks of space. Those big clients will move if the, if the prices um, are, aren't good enough, and you've got to be really price competitive. And that's a megaport. That's not really a megaport. Um, so NextDC is starting to do this. Um, people like Digital Realty do it. Equinix does a little bit of it. Um, there are other companies um, that, that do that. And I think those data centers are more imperiled. You've just got less of a moat. Right. Um, but you need those. The reason they exist is because when you've got, when you've got a, a good customer inside your co-location center and they say, oh, we need some wholesale space, you've got to go build it for them. Um, mm. Those actually strengthen the entire network, which is why they exist. But that's where you're going to get your pinch points and margins. And the third type, which I think is important, is your edge data centers, which are kind of new now. And these are mm. very small, low capex data centers that are close to your customers. Here, the location matters, and it's hard to yeah. replicate because it's small and usually in urban environments. But I think these have terrible economics, and you expect to make very low returns on capital. But again, you need them because your customers kind of, in, in those big profitable increases centers. Increases the speed, does that. It increases the speed, lowers the, um, uh, the delays, and your customers need it to complete the network loop. So um, what ends up happening is your big co-location centers will cross-subsidize your weaker data centers. Right. And, um, and that will happen, but the trade-off is you get a stronger network in, inside everything. So what keeps your customer in those weak Moti data centers is the uh, network they create inside the entire center. And that's why big data center businesses are much motier than little single data center businesses. And that's why Equinix and NextDC, I think, are excellent businesses but that should be protected. But as a, as a watch, I always keep an eye on the dollars um, per megawatt hour, um, per megawatt that, that these guys charge. And if you got a lot of in, in new capacity, we should expect to see that figure fall and fall. But so far, it's been dead stable or even rising. So okay. it tells you that the new capacity is being uh, digested cleanly by the market. So where's Megaport in this? Megaport is a completely different business. <laughs> Megaport is, is, a, is a data center business, but it's really about, um, they don't own any data centers. They provide access into other people's data centers. Right. And they do that with a combination of hardware and software. They lease fiber to get into those oh. data centers. So is that good? It, it's an excellent, excellent model. It's a really attractive business. The problem is they compete directly with these big um, data, um, uh, NextDC and Equinix um, businesses, which already have the customers, they already have everything inside, and they can move things around at a much lower cost than Megaport can. The other problem with it is that um, about 80% of all the traffic goes to four destinations. So you can actually replicate the entire network, which is enormous. You can replicate 80% of that uh, entire network with just four nodes. And mm -hmm. so I think the network is not as strong as many people believe it is. Okay. Um, I would say Megaport is, a, is one to keep on your watch list, hold for now. If it falls a bit more, I'd be interested. I've been negative on this for a long time, yeah. but the price Next is now getting better than Megaport? Yes. Right. Um, oh, look, uh, it's a bit of a slattery stock. So, you know, you, put that, you, <laughs> you can put, put that on. What did I turn your nose off? Uh -huh. Well, I'm not. Did you grip this thing? When no, you no, said, I, I think oh, he likes it. I, I, I like it, it. but the, the problem is once you put Bevan's Lattery, it's gone up. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't. You've missed you know, the boat. Exactly. You want to buy it before it becomes a Bevan's Lattery stock. Right. Um, actually, in my past life, um, we actually did that edge type data center as a solution. Yeah. So we used to own our databases in the US mm. and I was working there and our client side, we used to put databases on their side mm -hmm. and we used to drop the data there every night. So they would have their own unique data warehousing right. at their place and they have the fastest way to access the data. Mm. Right. So 
these, I think the data center structure is going through that evolution. Mm. And we did that now 14, 15 years ago. So, you know, these are people are learning different things. We were using that for finance and commodity trading. Now it's becoming more of a mainstream. So yeah. these things are going through change. So, Gaurav's right. There's a lot of change going through in the data centers. Mm. And I think it's a bit tricky at the moment. Mm. Everyone was paying too much because, you know, the obvious thing. Metaverse, so much data. Yeah. Everyone wants data. I think that's a mistake. In a data yeah. and, and that's, you've got to be careful mm. there. There's always supply-demand play. So I think it's tough. Um, it's a growth stock, right? And it's... People paid up too much for it. It's yeah. coming off. We had, you know, we were sell. You know, it'd be a sell for us. It's still a sell for us. Um, it's in a downgrade cycle. You know, yeah. if I'm sell, telling you I'm not touching Ordinate and Altium, <laughs> the rest You're of it's a sell. Right. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, stay out of this for now. All right, Maitan Lakshan wants a view on Mighty Craft. This is uh, interesting business. It goes in or um, takes a stake in mm. craft. Uh, distillers and brewers and things like that invest in them so they can expand and then handles their administration and marketing for them. Yeah, look, it's again, this is one of the great things about the show. I had no idea about this stock, so I had to actually go through it. I thought, oh, look, it's an interesting stock. Yeah, a couple of ex-CUB executives. Yeah, it's just a bad timing to come yeah. in, isn't it? Uh, and you've got a pandemic. <laughs> and so it's been a tough play. But I like it. I mean, one of my favorite stocks at the moment is Endeavor Group yeah. um, that's got spun yeah, out of yeah. Woolies. Yeah. I think it's slightly bigger than mine. Yeah, slightly bigger. <laughs> but it's, 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 get, it's got hit by the same thematics. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I look at Endeavor Group and say, look, it could be the bunnings of uh, alcohol yeah. sales. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a real play there and all of these sectors are still trying to play into it. Yeah. And the reopening cycle, all of that will play into it. I think it's interesting, but one of those things, statistically, when you don't do well afloat in the first six to 12 months, generally it gets pretty hard. Yep. And the only one in my memory that's outdone that is Colin Foods. Right. I'll throw Gentrack in there as oh, well. That's true. That's yeah. um, so it's very rare, so you've got to be careful. So again, this one, it's an interesting stock, but I don't see the execution yet. So mm. I'll be waiting and keeping an eye on it. Um, and if you want similar kind of play, bigger player, I think could have pretty big upside is Endeavor yeah. Group. Endeavour is interesting, you're right, I like that as well. I thought I'd never heard of this and then I realised it's the old founders first. Yes. Um, and um, I haven't looked at this closely uh, ever actually and I was a little impressed with what I saw. Um, it's really, really risky. I think the way to do this is um, it's just to take, if you're interested in, in owning this, take a small position because if, if, if a, there's a brand that works in here, it's going to be quite explosive yep. um, and you just don't know. How do you know what brand is going to work and what yeah. brand? You don't know. You're betting on some, some pretty good management, I've got to say. Well credential, yep. Um, yep. looks quite good. I bet on them. I, I okay. think this is an interesting spec buy. It the thing be, that looks could be a nibble. It could be a nibble. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Speculative nibble. The thing that looks really interesting here is um, they've got this new beer called Better Beer, which I'd never heard of. But just doing some research on it, um, they're doing this '80s kind of nostalgia on the on the marketing, um, and it's it's really taking off. They're talking about volumes that so they originally had I think one million liters, yeah. sold out in two weeks, and they're doing another four million liters. They're um, got distribution points in every single Endeavor outlet, which is a great yeah. deal for a young startup beer. With a business like this, once they get one success, they learn from that and they can do others and others. I'd and take and a also, they yeah. don't take the whole position in the yes, craft that's right. that The founders are still locked in there. So exactly. That's a really attractive feature. And if it doesn't work, then your downside is protected. Yep. I think this makes a really interesting um, speculative buy. I, okay. I, we'll put a little bit All into right. this. Yeah. Uh, Damien wants a view, uh, Gaurav, on Dubba. Uh, Damien says, last year, 
Maitland said this was the poor man's APX <laughs> and stayed away from it because of the overpriced tech market. This year, where he still seemed to be coming off an overpriced tech market, uh, would he take a nibble? There it comes up again, nibble in Dubber. Uh, the results seem to be okay. What do you think? This is the call recording audio. Uh, whenever, say you ring up Qantas Frequent Flyer and they say your call could be recorded for mm. trading and security purposes, that's sort of the software result. Yeah, look, I have to admit, I mean, Appen was one of the better performers and then we saw what was, um, I guess, the problem in the model with yep. the bigger clients. Um, Dubber doesn't have that as much. Um, they did well, but the market realized that and a lot of money went from Appen into Dubber and it got jammed up. I mean, it got, it, I think it was what, pre-pandemic was about a yep. dollar and went to $4. Um, yeah, it's had a good run. Um, and if you didn't get out, well, you got greedy. Yep. Um, you were paying too much and it's now back to what's about $1.50, $1.60. Um, I think there's, the problem is, I think it looks interesting here, right? Mm -hmm. The problem I've got is, the overall macro for growth value, as, yep. the in, uh, as the caller said, is still negative. I think there's still more to go, so there's another hit to come. Uh, but do I know when the bottom is? I don't, and he's right. I think this is an interesting one where you could nibble. I'd say you start around March, and you buy probably right. you know, 20, 30% a month, uh, because this is not gonna shoot the lights out straight away. It'll have to consolidate and then rebuild, and people will be waiting for the numbers to come through. So I would say it's interesting. I think the thematic is good, but market got overly excited before. Now back to yeah, reality, okay. and I think it looks interesting. So nibble, start nibbling around March. So not only do we have a nibble now, <laughs> we're having a timing on this. What do you think, Gaurav? So I used to own Dubber, and I don't own it anymore. Um, I, I think this is a really interesting business, and. Um, you're right, it's call recording, but there's a bit more than that because call recording is just a commodity. Thousands of people do it and there's very little you can do uh, to differentiate except what these guys have done. First of all, it's cloud native, so there's no installation of equipment. Um, yeah. Most important, they have integrated with every major telco in the world. And so the, the distribution channel is actually the telco. You don't call Dubber when you want to activate the surface. Yeah. You call your telco and with no equipment, with, no, with just a flick of a switch, um, they Telstra or Optus or over in the US, Verizon or in Japan, in Hong yeah. Kong, Singapore, anywhere in the world, they can activate this service for you and um, they pay the distribution partner a, a fee for doing that. Oh. But to set that up on the back end, it's required um, physical integration in their data centers to do that yeah. and in their exchanges to do that. So it's, it's a long time building. It's a difficult network to replicate. So there's something valuable here. I really like it. Will you be getting back in? Not at these prices. Right. The reason why is the ARR is growing exponentially. Customers are growing. There is no cash flow here. And there is right. consistently, this is why I sold. There was just no cash flow coming through the door. Okay. And I'm very suspicious of a business that keeps issuing higher and higher growth, better and better ARR without the cash flow. Okay. I want to wait until I see some cash coming okay. through the door. I'm suspicious you're doing deliberately long answers, so we cut down the, oh. <laughs> the time for QBE because <laughs> uh, we are running out of time. Okay, uh, right. It's a great tactic. It's an old politician's or a current Bust, politician's busted. tactic. Um, Lakshan wants to be on Radio Farm mm. Theranostics, um, and uh, they recently have an agreement with a group founded by Bill Gates at Develops. Radio pharmaceutical products uh, in the oncology area. I don't know. Like, yeah. 
well, come on, have, you, have you looked at the presentation? I, I didn't understand a word. It's rare for me go to go to the presentation and not understand a word in right. that. I had no idea what they were talking about. I don't even know what it does. You can't buy this. And unless you have a PhD in nuclear medicine, yep. like I, this is not something you punt on. This yep. is, if you understand it, you can look at it. If you don't, walk away. This is what I love about Gordon. Yeah. Yep. There's no middle ground. <laughs> There's no middle ground. But that, yeah. you know, that, that's what you know, callers want here, right? So, yeah, it's tough. We, yeah. we don't, we're not nuclear physicists. But it's interesting, recent float hasn't yep. done much. They've no. thrown out the catchphrases. Uh, there's a deal, there's connections. And you go, no, nah. I'm always scared of IPOs. I give it a good six to 12 months. I want to see the results, real reported results, because sure. with pre-reporting, it doesn't matter. So wait for the results, okay. see how they're doing, then have a look. All right, two minutes left. Uh, Charlie wants a view on QB. Go on, go and gloat. Uh, uh, has it, <laughs> is it staying a, I'll a get the swan? couch out. Oh, look, I think, I, I think QB is, it, it's, it's one where you don't get comfortable, right? Because, right. you know, it's like what we say about... Don't tell me you change your no, mind no, on QB. I think it's a macro call right. on, on the yield. Uh, in the shorter term, I think QB will probably come back a bit right. because when the market goes into a risk-off mode, uh, they run from equities to bonds and bond yields come off and so yeah. QB will come off a bit. But look, uh, we've been positive on it on the insurance sector. So yeah. we played it through IAG, oh, had are. a good result yep. and QB has been doing quite well. And the other one we liked is Challenger. And yep. all three of them on the yield play has been doing quite well. Yep. We like QBE. Just remember, in the shorter term, if bond yields come off, it'll come off with it, and you'll get another bite at a cheaper price. But right. if you're there, I'm holding. holding. It's, a, it's a it's a buy for me, and it still remains a buy. Oh, a buy? Okay. All right. Well, as you know, I know nothing about QBE. <laughs> I get it wrong every time. I've got a long history of having it wrong. Intelligent Invest has a long history of getting it wrong. I just think this is a business that looked like it was a great business for a long time. It I think was. it's a very mediocre business. It was, it was managed to it was look managed, good for, that's right. for nearly a decade right. yep. and everyone got sucked in. We got sucked but in. But it, it's yep. now been cleaned up. It's, it, people see the risk in it now. It's just a black box, Nathan. Like you don't, I have no idea what's going oh, on. Try, to try, to work, try work out Challenger. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Do you no, think that's box. a black box? Look yeah. at Challenger. Right, yeah. so. uh, just sell. I, I wouldn't be looking at this. Like, sure. This is uninvestable. How do you know what's going on here? Time to buy. That's just mean. All right, let's recap the final five stocks. A hold mm. on Megaport from uh, uh, Gaurav, a sell from Mathan. Uh, Mighty Craft, um, a wait from Mathan until, uh, yes, no, just a wait. Um, it is worth a small position. Uh, interesting business on uh, Gaurav's part. Um, Dubber, um, Mathan is a wait till March and then have a nibble. Uh, a no from uh, from Gorav, uh, Radio Farmer no, and QBE. Um, Nathan is the lead to cheer QBE cheer squad. He still has it as a buy, and Gorav scoffing, just, scoffing angrily yeah, in the corner. Just throws his hands up and goes sell. <laughs> it's like the mother's yeah, like it's a goes good and lies down. Gorav Sadie from Intelligent Investor. Good to see you, mate. Nice to be Nathan here. Thank Thomas you, Thomas and Dara and Dick Data Analytics. Always here. great to have you two aboard. And that's the call for today. If you've got any stocks you want us to uh, put to our expert panels, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the Osbiz TV handle. All the calls, um, stocks in the fantasy portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio.